from BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. This is the Bethany Vikings Podcast, hosted by Brock Aker. Welcome to another episode of the Bethany Vikings Podcast. This is a special one as we're going to be talking to both men and women's head coach of the basketball team, Coach Matt Fletcher and Coach Lyle Jones. We'll be talking about the season and preview the UMAC tournament. Both the men and the women took care of business this week, winning both games against Crown and Superior at home, which means the men's locked up the second seed and will play at 5.30 on Wednesday against UW-Superior for the third time. They beat Superior Saturday 92-75. to They lost earlier in the year in Superior 84-60. So that'll be the third time they'll face them. Now for the women. The women got the number one seed, which is the first time the Bethany Vikings women's team have won the regular season in the UMAC. They'll end up playing the winner of North Central Minnesota Morris, who played Monday night. That game is in Morris. If they play North Central, the Vikings have beat North Central soundly at home this year, but only a couple weeks ago they went to North Central and won a nail-biter on the road by three points. North Central had a chance to tie it up with about .3 seconds but didn't get up a good shot. If they play Morris, the Vikings did beat Morris for the first time in program history on the road. They swept this series in the regular season, winning at home as well, but they only outscored them a total by four points in those two games. Okay, it's now time to get to our coaches' interviews. First up, Coach Fletcher. Welcome back. Gabe and I are now joined by Bethany Lutheran College men's basketball head coach Matt Fletcher. The Vikings won both games this week at home versus Crown and Superior to get the number two seed. How are you doing, Coach, today, and how big was this past week to help you guys get ready for the UMAC tournament? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, uh, we talked a lot about it before. Anytime you can get a home game for the playoffs is big. Home court advantage, the crowd, uh, the familiarity with the, the rims, the hoop, you know, just be able to sleep in your own bed, stay in routine. And, uh, so I think our guys were pretty hungry to do that, but I, I would probably say they were more uh, hungry to play well after the performance we had up there. So there was a lot that went into that game, I think, Saturday. Yeah, Trenton Krieger, it was his senior day. He made like his first seven, nine shots, somewhere around there. What are you going to miss most about him? I hope he has a couple more games in the tournament, but after this year, what what are you going to miss most about Trenton? You know, Trent's, uh he's kind of that guy that you can't really um, fill in with an individual. Um, he draws a lot of attention. He plays his butt off. Um, he finishes so well around the room with both hands. Um, defensively, he, he he's in position all the time. He's just reliable. He's a guy that you can count on on a daily basis to practice hard, play hard, execute what we're asking him to do. Uh, he puts the team before himself. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are going to be missed about Trent. Um, and then obviously being a heck of a player. Um, so it, we have some guys I think that will be able to step up and fill that void as a group, as a unit. Not you know We don't lose any of our uh, guards or wings. Um, I think Hunter's got a ton of experience this year, which will help him a ton going into next year. And then we got some holes we'll have to fill going in the rotation following that. But, yeah, we'll miss Trent a ton, and that's the way it should be. You know, when you lose seniors, it should hurt. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Coach, speaking of Trent, um, he's a big part of your offense. Um, obviously, I want to talk a little bit about your offensive philosophy. I have some stats here from UMAC play. Uh, Bethany is first in field goal percentage. You guys shoot at 50.9%, and the next best team in the conference is Northwestern at 
Uh, so that's a huge difference there with uh, the five and a half point percentage points. And then next, you lead the UMAC in scoring. Again, a five-point advantage over the next best team, Northwestern. And I found this stat really fascinating. You're seventh in three-pointers attempted in the conference, but first in makes and in percentage, obviously. It's no secret that you want to get up and down the court in transition, and a lot of your uh, half-court offensive sets, they start with a high ball screen. How would you describe your offensive scheme, and where did you get it from? Why run it? Yeah, that's uh, anytime you're shooting a lot of threes, um, teams can fall in love with it too easily. You know, when you have a lot of guys that can shoot it and make it, it gets it's contagious and it's um, it's addicting. So sometimes teams will fall into that trap of just shooting it all the time. So what we really, really push is uh, paint touches and then uh, great shots, not good ones. Um, you know, and that's kind of the learning curve with our team every single season. And I think teams have seen that uh, coach uh, since I took over. We have our lulls in the beginning of the year. We get beat up. Um, we lose some games we probably shouldn't. Um, we get blown out a couple times. But that is because I'm not going to change our philosophy. We're just going to get better at it. Um, you know, so we really push that every, every time we're down the court, I need somebody to get in the paint. If that's a pass, if that's a drive, if that if that's an entry, whatever it is, to get that, that paint touch, to turn heads, and then we work on tons of re relocation with our guards, finding guys to get open windows for passes. So anytime they're shooting those threes, they're, the ball's traveling from underneath the net or in that general area to the shooter, um, which is I, I believe is the easier shot in basketball than a perimeter pass three. Um, and most teams practice closeouts from gaps and from short closeouts. Well, if you're having a guy close out from the paint, all the way out to a three-point line, you know, that's a, that's a long ways to go. And I think most of our shooters, you know, Trevin, Caden, Shrupp, those guys, I mean, if you're not right there, they're open, you know. And then installing that confidence in them too. They know if they miss five, you get another great look, you got to bury that thing. So that's kind of the, the method that we follow. It's just letting guys make plays. Yeah, you got into it a little bit there at the end. I've got a question leading off of that. Um, you've got a number of talented guys who I think um, – for you coming in off the bench, uh, they would probably start for other teams in the conference. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I think of, of Trevin and Hunter and Shrupp. Is it ever challenging to manage the roster and your rotations with that? You know, at the beginning of the year and always leading up, everybody wants to play. Yep. I mean, there's no secret about that. That's going to be everywhere you go. Um, but when you can find guys that will buy into a role and then buy into a team and then put anything aside to win – that's when you're going to be successful at the highest rate. Um, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing to do. And that's why most teams have a ton of talent, but they don't win at the highest level. Um, and we have a group of bench guys that do it. Um, and on top of that, we have a group of bench guys below that that will never see the floor that have bought into their role. Um, they come to practice every day, and they're in the scout squad, and they, and they bring energy and effort every single day. Um, but guys like Trevin, he knows when he comes in, his role is to do the same thing I ask of the starters. You know, and I make it very clear, too. We sub very quick. You know, about that four-minute mark, we're bringing a whole new line of guys in. And that's because we play that pace. Um, so they know that they are coming off the bench, but we need those guys to produce. And guys like Trevin and Hunter and Caden and Trepp, throughout the year, they've taken turns who that spark has been to accumulate a run for us, to open up leads uh, when other guys are on the other teams are playing their 10th, 11th, 12th minute in a row and a half. And then we bring in fresh bodies and – uh, they know how important their role is, uh, although not starting, uh, to help us win games. Absolutely. 
Uh, talking about another pra- player, Brian Smith. He didn't get off to like the tough, like the strongest start scoring, but really the last three games he's averaging 22 points and 18 on Saturday. But some of those shots, he's just dry. Like his shots, he's just going right over people. Like, how have you seen his game this past week? Is he getting hot at the right time? Yeah, I mean, Brian's a he's a gamer. That's what he is. It's uh, we recruit him really hard out of high school. Um, he he just has those intangibles. He. We see. I saw a lot of him and his brother who played at Northern State when I was at Upper Iowa, and he just he just beats you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes the player just outplays the defense, outplays the coach, outplays the system, and you know Brian just he won state championships. He, he, this is who he is. He wins games. He wins. He wins at a high level. Um, he doesn't fear the moment. You know, big game. He's sitting in that locker room. You can just tell he's ready to go. There's no nerve. There's no. He's just built for that kind of thing. Um, but I think the main thing with Brian is he became confident in finding ways to be effective in our new system. You know, a lot of guys, it takes a couple of years to get used to my system. Well, he just came in this year, so he's only had work in it. You know, with our no, we can't touch him in the off season. So he, October 15th was the first time he was introduced to our offense. So to find ways and how, how can you be really good in the, a system where I'm not getting you shots, you got to get yourself shots. It takes a little time, I think. Um, but then once he kind of got it going, I think it was after his game winner he hit at in Christmas um, out in California. He hit a game winner, and, well, not a game winner, sent to overtime at the buzzer. But after that, you could just see his confidence starting to build, and he started to take over games late. And, and I think our guys, they, they kind of like it. He's easy to trust. So You obviously saw it before us, but I noticed that the first exhibition game, uh, here against Gustavus, how big of a difference maker he could be, and now we're seeing him uh, play up to to that potential recently. Yeah, he he just brings another dynamic. It takes a ton of pressure off of Kyrie to have the ball. You know, we set anywhere between fifty to seventy ball screens a game, and if you have one guy that doesn't, I mean, <laughs> in twenty five games plus exhibitions, I mean that that's going to wear a guy down. So to have another guy that can do it. And, and and then on top of that, they complement each other because they're different. You know, Kyrie is lightning fast forwards. You know, when he goes downhill, he is as fast as any player I've ever coached or seen. Whereas Brian, his first step laterally is explosive. I mean, he can get by any defender. So when you have two guys that complement each other and do a little bit different, it just puts teams on their heels a little bit at times and then you put those two up top and we can just pick the matchup we like and let them just do their thing yeah you alluded to the california trip just a little bit what did that trip mean to you as a coach you got to see the ucla campus i heard see some john wooden statues is he someone you looked up to and how was that trip yeah i mean he was a little before my college basketball you know studying and watching but you know my dad was a coach for 25 years and he always talked about it and uh, he has a book signed by him, so that was a big moment cool. for my dad, probably. But you know, it was always cool to go on those different trips and see um, really cool situations that some college basketball players get to be in. But not envy it, but just enjoy it and just soak it in. And but I think the biggest thing about those trips is we're gone for five days, and as a team, I mean, there's nothing, there's no distractions, there's no classes, there's no other students, there's no. I mean, we're eating every meal together. We're going all all these different events together. You're together, so it just kind of brought us closer together, and that's what I love about doing them. I, mean, I wish we could do them every year. They're a ton of planning and a ton of work, but um, you just see the team come together closer as it goes. And I think that, in my personal opinion, that that win that first night when we won in overtime, um, that springboarded us. I think that got us 
to that next level. Uh, and I think that's why we rattled, I, I don't know, 11 off or something like that after that. So Yeah, you won 11 straight, and now you've won 14 out of your last 15. And 12 of those 14 wins have been by double digits. So, like, you're not only beating teams, but you're dominating them. How? So what about that trip? Did you? Was there just, like, a moment you're like, all right, that snap, we're going now? Or Yeah, th- you know, when we got that win, we kind of got a lucky bounce. Um you know, it was a play that I've used before where it's a it's a lob design and then you put a spare guy there to catch the bounce if it bounces off and it actually worked. It hit the backboard, the pass was too high and it bounced right to Brian and he buried it. And then overtime we dominated overtime, but you just saw the guys like, okay, we needed that win. Um, you know, because it, it was after the superior trip actually. And then we came back, we got beat by Carlton in a close one. And then the guys were beat up. I think mentally we were beat up, and it's, we've went through it every year. You know, we were five and uh, five and four in le- uh, non-league play this year, and what the guys didn't know is that's the most wins we've ever had non-league. You know, we've never been. We were four and five last year. The year we won it, we were. Uh, I think we were four and five. It's just, we, I, I make schedules to make it really tough. I want them to. I want them to see the hardest thing. So then, if we do get fortunate here and win this week, and you know, somehow win Saturday to punch a ticket. We're not seeing teams that we're not used to seeing already size and ability-wise. And um, But I do think that that trip just was our come-together moment and getting two wins and, a, and then winning the tournament. I think it was a game-changer. What's the most challenging part of playing a team back-to-back in uh, Superior coming up here? Uh, you know, it's it's weird. As a coach, it's probably like, you overthink it, you overanalyze it, you worry about every little thing, you look at a mistake you make and you're like, oh, is that going to cost us the game? And players, man, they don't care. They they like it. They don't have to go through a whole other scout film. They don't have to memorize all the different plays again. You know, They're just ready to roll. They just wish it was today. Just roll the ball back out and let's go do it again. But um, I, I just think it's tough because what, what adjustments are they going to make? You know, that's the game we're both playing. You know, Greg's a great coach. He's a phenomenal coach. He gets, I mean, he's turned that program around drastically over the years here and he's going to have something different. You know, they lost by 15, 17, 20 points in that second half and he's going to have something different. I don't know what it's going to be, but you know, it's going to be who can adjust, who's going to guard, who's going to play well. And you know, it's, it's that time of year now where you just got to kind of lean on each other and see if you can scrape one by. I don't care if you win by one or 21, it doesn't matter. We just got to find a way to win one at a time. Yeah. What is different about the UW superior team this year? The last couple of years, they've kind of been the bottom tier of the conference. What have you seen different about them this year and why they're so special? So two years ago, the year we won it, um, they had Veed and they had Colton Williams um, as young. They were younger. They were sophomores. Um, and both of them tore their ACL last year. Wow. So both of them missed all of last season. Uh, when they had Shaq Coleman two years ago, they had uh, – they had multiple different guys that had then left where I think if they would have been, had those two pieces at the four and five spot, they would have been a lot better. I mean, losing those two guys, you know, Colton Williams is in himself right now. You can tell he's, his knee is still messed up a little bit, but you know, Veed's a game changer. I mean, he's a first team all league player. You, you just can't replace that when you don't recruit and don't have it. I mean, this happened in the fall before, you know, going into the year last year and, you just you can't replace that you can't fill that in with no time and no no guys to bring in to do it so i think that was kind of it so i mean they're i mean they're playing five or six seniors i mean they got a lot of experience on the floor alan anderson coming in from bemidji state i mean he didn't play there really played a little bit but you know he's a fifth year guy he's redshirt he's been workouts he's been 
in the NSIC level, practice level, and seeing those games for years. So, I mean, I just think they got old really quick, really, really quick, which brings experience, which brings toughness, which brings maturity, and you just win games that way. You don't get rattled by little things. You go on the road and win games you shouldn't, and, and that's just kind of what you saw them do as the year went. They just took care of business night in and night out. You recently posted um, on Instagram that uh, your son asked you if he could join you in uh, join in on a locker room celebration if you guys win uh, the next one. Uh, will that be happening if you guys do win? <laughs> so that started in California. So when we won the overtime game, uh, I had taken my son Duke with us. I, my wife and my other son stayed home. So after the game, he was in the bleachers with other people. And when I walked off the court, I mean, there was no holding him back. So said well you know if we go in here it's going to be loud and we went in and the guys just took him in um for for me as a dad that was a game changer I what mean, a moment was, yeah seeing my kid in the middle with all these players and they're spraying water on him and he's laughing and having the time of his life I mean you I mean I couldn't ask for a better moment I just stood back and let him have his time so but now <laughs> every game it's well you need to win and otherwise you know I can't go in the locker room and get sprayed I mean over dinner last night he said it too he said Dear Jesus, Dad needs to win because I need to get sprayed. So <laughs> That's it's, perfect. It's it's not going away, so he's not going to forget it. Yeah, so the two different games, uh, the first one, you guys lost 84-60. Trenton kind of got in some foul trouble. And then this past game, you won 92-75. What I've noticed, uh, so Superior, they have like only a couple guys that come off the bench, and you have a bigger rotation. And they try to slow the game down and get to the free throw line while you guys like pace. How can you put the game like towards your side to make sure like it's up and down and like control the pace compared to what they do? In reality, this sounds simple, but it's who gets the stops. You know, if we get the stops, we can turn up the tempo because that means we get the ball, we outlet it, and we're gone. If they get the stops and they're consistently getting stops, they're going to outlet it and they're going to walk it up the court. It's going to drag the game. Um, So when you can string two to three stops together at a time, you up the tempo and against a team like that if we score on our tempo it makes them feel like they have to speed up just a little bit to hang on because you know they're used to winning games in the 70s well we're used to scoring 90 plus every night I mean I think right now we're fourth or fifth in the country right now in offensive scoring so they feel like if we get out and we go and we score easy it comes down and puts and not a ton of pressure but they feel it they feel it if we're coming down and making one pass and shooting it and making it and they come down and run a set or an action that has multiple actions that gets through it, it, it starts to wear on them. Or the vice versa. If we come down and we shoot and we miss, and then they wear us down and get easy ones, it's kind of that's, that's the two different styles and the contrast of it. So it's, but it all comes down to which team can string stops together because then you get to dictate on the offensive end if you're going to push the tempo or slow it down. Whereas if you take the ball, then that, that's going to benefit for them too. Okay, and one of the last questions – Last year, you guys played Scholastica on this game, and they upset you. What are you going to learn from last year? Are you going to do you still feel that loss? Does, or what are you going to learn from that? Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a tough playoff loss, I mean, we were ahead of that whole game. You know, a ten minute mark of the second half, they had a guy Brandon Newman who was up for Player of the Year three years in a row. He's a stud. Um, he made plays, and we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't buy a bucket. We missed two front ends of one and ones. Uh, missed a wide open three in the corner by Trevin right in front of us. Um, so I guess you can say I didn't forget. I can remember it. But um, he and Newman came down and he just scored 10 straight for him. Took the lead. You know, we were still right there in it. But I think anytime you have a game like those, it sticks in your brain. 
but the teams are so different. Guys are so different. The personnel so different. Um, you can't value the experience what Kyrie will have now from a freshman to a sophomore year in a playoff game. Uh, Brian Smith added to the addition. Trent moved to the five now instead of the four. We're just very different, you know. Um, I, I'm, I'll never bring it up to the guys because it's kind of irrelevant because um, there's so many things we could say. I mean, we have a better record right now than we did last year. I mean, we're 14-2 and two and didn't win the league. You know, so there's a lot of things that you can try to tie into it. Now, the one thing you can take, I think, is you can't simulate playoff atmosphere and intensity. Um, so today and tomorrow, I mean, the guys kind of know how I work. I mean, we're gonna, that's the way we're going to operate. It's going to be high intensity. It's going to be high effort because the only way – those are the only really two things you can control on Wednesday night. And I think if we do that, we have a good chance to win the game. But – we got to be able to match that intensity and that effort. So we'll see where we're at. All right, my last question. So a couple of years ago, you won the tournament, and then you won a game in the regional. I know it's totally different teams, but do you see that special team, this year's team, that could maybe make a run if they make it to the regional? I know there's a couple of games you got to focus on first, but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we call we call it a new season. So if we if we get out of this week, um, which I think you know. I'm, I'll take us against anybody. I tell the guys that, so I'm not sitting here out in anything. I'll take us if we guard and we do what we're supposed to do. I'll take us. We have a chance to win every night, I think. Now, going to the NCAA tournament, I'd feel the same way. Um, I don't really care who we match up with. Um, I think we have the power and the offensive weapons to compete with any team in the country. Now, uh, guarding is going to be – it's a mindset. Uh, we're going to be undersized, I'm sure, which we've been throughout the year off and on. Um but I definitely wouldn't count us out. I mean, when you have a team that can put up 100 on any given night multiple, multiple times in a row, you know, that's why we've set that record this year too. I, I don't know if anybody would be overly comfortable seeing our name pop up next to them, but I also don't think anybody will look past us like they did that year. You know, I think that year people were like, oh, who's Bethany? No one really knew. Well, now mm -hmm. that ain't going to happen. If we make it, whoever gets us is going to have, that, have that, uh, that article pulled up, I'm sure, for their guys to read before they see us. Well, I appreciate you this busy time, busy week, big tournament, and you took time to talk to us on the Bethany Vikings pod, so I really appreciate it, and good luck this week. Yeah, Thank thanks for, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, we are now joined by head coach Lyle Jones of the Bethany Women's College basketball team. I know you just got done with practice. How are you doing, coach? Pretty good. At uh, this time of the year, it's kind of uh, every, every all the players and coaches are tired. We kind of call it the grind the last few weeks before the playoffs is really tough and then as you get into the playoffs now you just really got to push through that uh, tiredness and and as far as the players go I mean they're sore they're mentally tough they got their academics they're doing and so it's a tough tough situation for them too did you focus on a certain team North Central or Morris today at practice or well we we really prepare for them twice during the year extensively with our synergy programs that we have uh, a lot of d1 schools have th that program and uh, we do a really good job of preparing so we can rely on that a little bit well we will look at the last few games to kind of see you know are they doing some things different and so forth but uh, yeah we're ready and we're really focusing on a lot of the things that that we do well and, and we're going to try to get more efficient and effective in those in the situations and the offenses and the isolation plays Everything we run, we're just trying to get a little bit better at. Sure. This is your 18th total season as head coach of the Vikings, split among two stands. You've had numerous accomplishments um, from Minnesota Community College Conference, division champs, 
uh, to winning the UMAC tournament this year, regular season UMAC champs. What has kept you coming back and coaching for so long? Well, you know, the first stint that I had here uh, was a really, it was a great journey <laughs> with those young ladies. And, and we were probably one of the most powerful two-year schools in, in the Midwest. And uh, I think we believe, I think I believe we, we won 80% of our games over a 10-year period and scored about 90 points a game and gave up about 55. So a really potent, uh, uh, you know, program. And the kids went on to Division One and two schools. And so the challenge, I guess, to answer your question, coming back, the challenge is to try to take where, where when I came in and to set some goals and, and some standards in the program and say, where, where can we take this program? And our goal when I came in was we want to compete at the national level. And I think most coaches, if they say anything less than that, I mean, uh, how would you feel as a player if the coach came and said, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to compete from fourth place. <laughs> so, you know, we set our standards high, and within a few years, um, we got there uh, to the level where we could, you know, compete at the championship level. And so, you know, as far as like this, this last year, we made the national tournament. The year before, we played in a championship game. The year before that, uh, I thought was one of our better teams. But we had two girls with concussion protocols, and they couldn't play in those in those tournament games. And I thought that might have been one of our better seasons. So the last three seasons have been great. Hopefully this year, you know, we've got a nice season going, and uh, we can get to the point where this tournament ends, and maybe we're on top. That'd be awesome. Yeah, uh, Hannah and Abby are the two leading scorers in the UMAC. How you talked about you coached like uh, JUCO and those were really good teams. How do they compare like talent to your past teams? You know, I've I've had a ton of questions like that. Or wh which teams were better than others? One, it's it's almost impossible. To, different eras, right? Because mm -hmm. I took a ten year hiatus and watched my kids play in high school. Uh, so different different eras, um, different levels. You know, we're talking junior college division two, and now we're at division three. So it's it's really hard to compare them. Uh, if it was just a couple years apart, it would be a lot easier, but it's pretty hard. What are some tangible changes you've seen in uh, the game of basketball? Well, it's, it's obvious. When I first started in the t at the two-year level, believe it or not, they walked the ball up the floor. They literally walked it up the floor. So when we came in, we changed that dynamics, and we pushed hard the ball. We were averaging 90 a game, which is unheard of in the women's game. And so then from there, I, when I took my 10 years off, uh, then when I came back, it, the game has changed again. And so now it's more penetration kick, more of a two-man type game like the professional sets that the NBA runs and now the WNBA are running. So it's, it's changed again. It's in its infancy with the women. The men have been there for like three or four years, but for the women it's in its infancy. So. It's going to change rapidly here, and if you don't keep up with it, you're going to get left behind. Have you always been a push-the-pace type of coach then? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I came in from the men's side. I coached college at the men's level, and we said, hey, the women can run just like the guys. And so when we put it in there, it was really tough because they had to really work at it and change kind of the culture uh, that society has kind of put on women a little bit. And they met the challenge, and they're just doing great. I talked to um, Kenley and Emily. They were on the last episode of the podcast, and I asked them about how Hannah and Abby seemed to get most of the attention, but that they, they didn't really mind that. They told them told me they're special players and they deserved it, and they know what their role is. So that's and they talked great about you. How 
do you preach that to players? They're very unselfish, very team-oriented. How you do know, you build that culture? I, I think that it might start with our recruiting because when we recruit, we look for those types of kids that they're really selfless, and, and we talk to them as we recruit them, say it's about the program, whether you, you may play, you may not play, you may have limited number of minutes, you may score more, you may score less, you might get to shoot the ball more, who knows? But we're all doing it for the program. And so uh, I know within the first three or four weeks of practice, we'll sit everybody down and go, now if we need a three-point shot, I want you all to point to who, who you think we should go to. And we build that in practice each, each day and each week. And at the end, they will literally point to the person that we want. Who's the second option? They'll point to the correct one. And we'll say, who are you going to put on this player? She's a great player. Who's going to stop her? Who would you put on her? They always pick the right one. So we kind of do it through teaching uh, and also on court as we're, as we're looking through our, our plays and so forth. But I think it really kind of comes from our recruitment in that they're real unselfish. And I know you talked about Kenley and uh, Emily. Uh, people look at the stats and they look at Hannah and Abby. But our last game, I'll tell you who won that game. It was Laura Ellinghus and, and Scrine. They completely shut down the other perimeters players. And we talked about that the day before and how important they were going to be in the game. And our girls know that. They, they know that they, the con contribution they make is, uh, is outstanding. Uh, I, this was my first senior day I've seen. It. Is it? Uh, normal tradition like Abby Olson and Hannah guys felt like do you usually have players before senior day talk about the seniors or is that we do yeah I don't know what they do on the men's side but I know on our side that we do that I, I give just a little spiel I don't want to get into it too much it's kind of hard on me emotionally to see those kids go and so I just kind of do a generalized uh, talk and then the, the girls do a little bit more and then when we have our banquet that's when we really get into talking about each kid uh, specifically and what they mean to the program and so forth. People in the stands, they don't want to sit around and hear all that. You know, they want the game to get going. So we kind of run through it a little fast, but we really pick it up in the, in the, um, the banquet that we have at the end of the year. Um, I'll <coughs> stick on the theme with uh, pregame stuff. For home games, PA announcer Derek Lingholm. Uh, he often introduces you by different names, such as, you know, the legendary Lyle Jones or the one and only Lyle Jones. Is there a running joke there uh, that you two have? Well, we, we've known each other for a long time. I coached Derek in soccer. Wow. So I was a soccer coach here. I started the softball program here. So I've, I've done a lot. I've coached football at the college level. So we know each other from way back. And, and he, as you know him, he likes to kid around a lot. And I think the very last one he introduced me, and I didn't know what he said. My wife told me later just, it meant something like you're just old and increpit. So <laughs> it's good. And we have a good fun time with it. All right, let's go a little more on the season now this year. You had uh, the school record of 13 straight wins. Did, do you know this would be like a very special year at any moment? Did you know, okay, this, we're gonna, this is our run 13 straight? Or how, what's your mindset well, I, during that? I can tell you that at the beginning of the year, because my assistant coach is across the hall from me, and, and about three weeks in, we, th we literally looked at each other and said, I don't know if we're going to win our first 10 games. We had a ton of people injured, and it was unbelievable. And just a week ago, well, in fact, just before the Superior game, we were talking in, in the hallway, and we said, the season is over tomorrow, you know? And so, yeah, we didn't know about, you know, well, how we would do with the streak, and it's a cliche that most coaches say, but we really focused on 
only the team that's ahead of us. And I think we've done that for a number of years here and we don't get caught into the, I don't know if you want to call them accolades or the, the press buildup of so many streaks or so many points or whatever. We just focus on trying to defeat the person in front of us or the team. Haley Sandin joined your staff this season. What's that like for you and for her making that transition from player to coach? And does it help the players to have someone like that who uh, was so recently a player for you? Yeah, the transition is really interesting because you'd like to put that player down as maybe your fourth assistant and kind of work her up. She was a special player. I mean, she was one of five decade of the year players. There's only five of them. So uh, she had the talent. Um, the thing that when you hire a kid just coming off of playing is that that the differential between now these kids on the team know her, but mm -hmm. she can't be their friend. She's their coach. And so there's that fine line. And we talked about that extensively before we hired her and what she had to do. And she's done a great job of being a coach and not their friend. And that really works out. And, and she, as she looks into her career, uh, that's really going to help her. I mean, what she did this year. Um, and the second part of your question, it was kind of uh, interesting with her because we could, I could kind of mentor another young woman that's getting into the, you know, the coaching. And uh, we watched her, both Emma and my, myself, and we both kind of mentored her along, not only just in coaching, but she also recruits for us. And so you asked if it's a different dynamic. It's really nice to have a couple women on staff uh, they're going to relate to each other a little sure. bit better than me. Plus, I'm an old guy, and so when you're talking to an 18-year-old young lady, they might be better if they're talking to a player that just played or someone who played four years ago, kind of like Emma did. So it's great to have them on staff, and they're just doing a wonderful job. Yeah, that was a big loss, but Hannah Geisfeld really picked up the scoring this year. What did you see like in the offseason? Did you have any uh, workouts for her to do, or what do you think? has led to her very successful season this year? Well, you know, with the NCAA, you can't do anything with them in the summer, but they do have programs that we have where they're lifting and they're shooting on their own and so forth. And I think she's she's worked on that once they she got back into uh, campus here early this year. The captains have their practices, their strength training, their conditioning on top of that with Coach Fletcher, and then they have their pickup games. So they're always staying in touch with the ball, getting a lot of touches with it. So I think... And then, and you have to know Hannah too. She's got a huge determination. She's in our office, like after the Superior game. She's in our office the next day, looking at film on what did she do wrong, what she needs to do better, and so forth. I know there was one game where somebody scored quite a few points on her, and the next day she came in, and I think she watched at least an hour and a half of film, and was extremely upset the way she played. So she's a student of the game. And wants to master it so I think that that's kind of the good answer for you Jordan Martinez uh, she gives you another ball handler and playmaker alongside Abby what do you like about uh, that look especially when both of them are on the floor together well our plan early in the year was to have her as a starting point guard and she's pretty much been out injured mm -hmm. all year so we were really hurting it's hard for Abby to play a one with a one's mentality, but then once getting in the half court, you've got to switch and be a scorer and handle the ball. So it was really physically draining for Abby and, and mentally too. Sure. And so having her back was just a huge boost, not just 
to relieve a lot of that pressure off of Abby, but for the whole team because she's she's a special player too. She can handle the ball. She can penetrate. She's kind of getting used to our system, and it was great to have her yesterday. She was a big part of it too because she played 34 minutes. Before that, I think it was around 14 because of her injuries. All right, let's go a little more into the UMAC tournament this week. You are the number one seed. <coughs> like you said, you won the tournament last year. How can you use that experience to benefit you? And are you more confident this year that you're the one seed and you won last year? Or how's your mindset? Well, I think the, the team is a lot more confident. Once, once a team has been at that level, uh, I think they come back and they don't have the jitters going into a championship game. Uh, having the record they have this year and, and playing a number of those teams, uh, th they've got a ton of confidence going into there. Uh, as far as the coaching staff goes, I mean, if, if that's a part of your question, I mean, I've been in those situations a ton, so it's just a matter of, you know, reproducing, you know, what, what are you going to do defensively, different schemes, uh, counters to their offenses and so forth. But the players, I think, are going to be a lot more confident this year. Uh, <coughs> no matter what, who you play, it will be the third time you played them. So, like, they know you, you know you. Do you Can you over-prepare at a point or – yeah, you know, there's a saying, you know, you, you, it's hard to beat someone three times, and I, I kind of throw that out the window because if you're, if you're good, you can beat somebody. But when you look at our conference this year, the top four teams, they're all really good, and they can beat each other. It comes down to, for us, uh, some teams don't match up with us very well with the inside. Some teams can match up with us on the inside. So um, that's kind of where I think the, the tournament's up in the air. Anybody can win it. Um, but as far as uh, over-preparing, uh, we, we prepare a ton, but we don't get really into that minutia way deep, way deep. Uh, it's pretty much the basics, some of the uh, personal moves that kids have and how to stop them. You know, they're all left-handed. Does the post player just turn and shoot? Does she go to her left all the time? We try to take those things away. You know, what's their out-of-bounds plays? We, we really want to know where they're going when they call their play, and we do. And they do for us, too, because they're going to scout stuff. So it's always about counters and, and what you're going to do with the teams. Is there anything you do to celebrate big wins? Uh, you know, I someone, I think it was on Facebook, well, we had the video uh, interview after the game, and someone on the Facebook said, it was me and Hannah, and someone wrote in there, uh, you guys just won the you you know the UMAC conference championship for the mm -hmm. first time. Why don't you guys smile? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, to answer that, I you know, I think the girls celebrate in the locker room, uh, but they're really focused on okay, that's done, let's move on to the next thing here. Um, we always try to coach our teams also all year and a lot of things. And one of them that we did last night or the other night with Superior is, you know, we got to the point where we're going, well, this one's in the bag, right? And uh, we had the assistant coaches go down the line and say, hey, act like you've been here before. You know, you don't want to give your opponent any powder, so to speak, that, you know, they look down there and you're jumping all over. We're, we might have to play them again in the championship. Who knows? And so, yeah, we want to celebrate, celebrate the right way. Don't go crazy. Sure. Yeah, I kind of want to focus on some of the teams. I know some of them you might not play, and you try to look forward just to your first game. But if you play North Central, they lead the UMAC in three-pointers, but you have a number one defense against three-point shooting percentage. So how do you like that matchup? 
I, you know, if it's North Central, uh, we kind of like that matchup too, uh, a little bit better. Uh, I think their post presence isn't there, and so we're a little stronger in the post. Uh, we can do a good job of running them off the arc uh, for three-pointers. So I, I think if I had to choose between the two, maybe maybe North Central. But I tell you, if they're shooting, they're shooting well, they are hard to beat. And then Minnesota Morris, you beat them the first time in Morris in program history, and then you won at home. But between the two games, you only beat them by a combined four points. So okay. what do you see in that matchup if you face them? Who do you need to stop? They match up with us the best of everybody that that's out there. And uh, it shows in the scoring. Um, I mean, they have great post players. They have great perimeter, just kind of like us. And it comes down, I think, for that game to execution and how efficient and effective we are in what we do. Uh, we have to do all the little things correct, and we're going to have to box out every time. We're going to have to stop every one of their inbounds plays. Um, they've got some special isolation plays they ran. We just kind of went over them today and, and what our counters are for that. So it's just going to be a it's going to be a great game if it's if it's uh, Morris. And, no, and, and really, when you're in a tournament, isn't that what you want? Is a great game. Absolutely. You know, I wouldn't want to go into a tournament and say, "Well, we got we got them by 30." Great. Uh, it, it prepares you for the next game and the next game after that. If you end up playing <coughs> Northwestern, they're the team that the only team in the conference to beat you this year. They've slowed down Abby three to twenty. <coughs> she's three for twenty-five in those two games, and Geisfeld's thirteen for thirty, which is good for most people. But she usually shoots sixty-two percent. Uh, what did have they done to disrupt you, and what are you going to try to do differently if you play them Saturday? Well, we, we've gone through, after we got beat in those games, we go, always go through the game the, the next day on, on whoever we played. And what we found out now with both those games from Northwestern is both Hannah and Abby, the shots, you, know, they, you said they didn't shoot very well. They had great shots. So it wasn't that they really, like, we're able to have a hand in the face and all those types of things or, or push Hannah out out of her sweet spot. They just didn't shoot well. And so when I we sit there and look at that game, we're going, well, this is kind of awesome. Even though we lost, if we do our normal shooting, we're going to be great. And uh, it would be just the opposite. I mean, if they really stopped them and, and did a lot of different things against them, I'd be a lot more worried. Uh, tonight if we had to play them but uh, and th the case is is that they just didn't shoot well those games and then superior they're the two seed I think it's kind of funny because they've really run the UMAC the last three years but you <coughs> beat them in superior last year you won two so now they're kind of like the underdog the revenge game what do you see in that how like the tables kind of turn now yeah, they are. You know, and I and I when I look at not just them, but even Morris and, and the rest of the teams, there's a lot of great respect between programs, especially Superior, who has been very good in the past years. Uh, there's always been a lot of respect between the programs, the coaches, the players, and so forth. And it just happens maybe they're on the other side of it here, where they're coming in where we did last year, uh, and they want to get back at it. In fact, it's pretty much reversed. Um, so I just think that uh, I just love the, if it's superior um, and we f happen to make it to that championship game and it's them, that would kind of be a great game too. And just knowing I know Zach, the coach, really well. Uh, we see him on the recruiting trips and out in the AAU tournament circuit and stuff like that. So, again, I would I just like to play really strong teams. And whether we win or they win or whoever wins, 
it kind of makes the UMAC a better conference. And that's kind of what I think every team or every coach in our conference should be looking at is trying to make it a better conference uh, so there's a little better experience for the girls. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. I really appreciate you coming on and your busy schedule this week. I appreciate it, too. This has been fun. It's my first one. I kind of like it. Yeah, it should be a fun (laughs) tournament. Good luck to you, Coach. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, that's it for the Bethany Vikings podcast. Make sure to come Wednesday and Saturday if we win to cheer on the Vikings. See you next week. I'm Brock Akers.